Hello, welcome to the Science Gallery podcast channel. I'm curator Tilly Valin, and I am delighted to be bringing you this audio series created by journalism students at the University of Melbourne. These creative humans responded to the themes in Mental, our very latest exhibition. Jump onto our socials and see when you can come on in and see the show for yourself. But right now, settle back and enjoy this audio adventure. I just went from fully awake to unconscious in a matter of, I'm guessing, a couple of seconds. And then the lights went out. The last thing I saw was a view of the beach and a vertical dive at about 8,000 feet. My name is David Phillips, and I'm a retired pilot, and I spent um, eight years in the Air Force between 1974 and 1982. I experienced G-Lock in 1976. I've just turned 20. Yeah, as a 20-year-old, you're very, very carefree and fairly bulletproof. You tend to think that things will happen to other people and not to you. You know, you're going to live forever. G-Lock is a G-force-induced loss of consciousness, and it's caused by blood draining away from the brain, taking with it, of course, the oxygen that the brain requires to function. If you just imagine swinging a bucket of water around your head, the water stays in the bottom of the bucket due to centrifugal forces, and it's the same situation with your brain. I was flying a, um, a Strike Master jet, practicing aerobatics. So I pulled up into a loop, and as the airplane came uh, out of the top of the loop, and vertically back down towards the beach, I suddenly realised that the aeroplane was accelerating very rapidly. My first recollection after losing consciousness was waking up and hearing a noise, which sounded a bit like being in an aeroplane, and at that stage I could only hear I was still blind. And my immediate thought was, please don't let me be in an aeroplane, please don't let me be in an aeroplane, because... That would be a, a terrible place to be, obviously, with no vision. But unfortunately, as my vision returned, my worst fears were confirmed. And by the way, the last thing I can remember seeing was you know, a vertical dive over the, over the beach. So I was sort of desperate to see where I was so, so I could restore the aeroplane to level flight, because if it's still on a vertical dive, then obviously I've, I've got seconds to live. The first thing I got back was a little tunnel of vision, I guess, and that was focused on my gloved hand on the control column. Well, all I could see was the inside of the cockpit. And then that little circle of vision became larger and larger and larger. What was once again really disturbing was, once I had the full vision, I still just couldn't make sense of what I was looking at, even though it was just something as simple as the sky and the sea and the horizon, clouds and that sort of thing, and the instruments for that matter, which I was intimately familiar with. For several seconds, they were kind of no use to me. Part of the puzzle was I, I couldn't figure out which blue was what. In other words, maybe the blue the blue ocean beneath me was could could have been the sky, and the blue sky above me could have been the ocean, which would have put me upside down. So now, now I can look out the window and save myself, but looked out the window and, and salvation wasn't there. And then by and by, those faculties came back, and um, I was fully conscious. I realised that I was just in a gentle, more or less level climbing turn and that was just an enormous relief to know that the aeroplane was in a stable and safe situation and not about to dive into the ground. 
I think immediately afterwards the feeling was more of, of shock. Exultation at having survived, it came a bit later. I didn't tell anyone about it. I just thought, well, I'll, I'll, it's, a, it's a learning experience for me. I don't, I don't need another bollocking from a squadron commander. Now, the reason I remember it so clearly is because it was just so terrifying and it just left such a huge imprint. You know, I, I don't recall ever being so frightened before or since. I mean, you're delighted to still be alive, sort of thing, but then a little sobered and chastened by the fact that I'd allowed that situation to develop. I'm reminded of watching a friend's new puppy and every single thing that dog comes across, it's a new experience. At 20 in a, in a strike master, it's a bit like that. Everything is new and very exciting, so you, you can't get enough of it. You're very tempted to sort of push a bit harder or go a bit further or try and squeeze a, a, bit, a bit more fun out of the situation you're in. Whereas later, you, you've seen the consequences of that and you, you know, realise there's, there's no future in doing that. It certainly didn't put me off the job at all. At all. I mean, it was such a, a neat job. It was so, so much fun and so, so rewarding. It would take an awful lot to change your view on that. But I guess it was also a reminder that life is finite, that there are limits to it. There were a few demons sort of lurking out there. Mm -hmm.